All right. Well, it is definitely a privilege uh, to be with you this morning, as it always is. If you have your Bibles with you, um, could you turn to Luke chapter 5, and we will begin reading, I believe, at verse... 26. Verse 26. And unlike previous times, I'm going to try something a little different today. Um, don't worry, I'm still preaching from the Bible. But I'm going to read the whole passage for this morning, and then we will pray, and then we will dig into it. So just hang on one second while I find it in my Bible here. Luke 5:26 And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying we have seen strange things today And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of the custom And he said unto him Follow me And he left all rose up and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said unto him, Why do thy disciples of John fast and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? <coughs> and he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. And he spoke also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottles shall perish but new wine must be put into new bottles and both are preserved no man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new for he saith the old is better may the Lord have his blessing on the reading of his word Heavenly Father as we come before you and ask petition of you, we ask first of all that we would be open to what you have to teach us today. We ask that you would help us through uh, the difficult portions of today. We ask that you would challenge us. We ask that we would not be the same as when we came here today. And Lord, I ask a blessing 
upon every one that is here. And if there is one here that does not know you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. That your word would penetrate as a two-edged sword, which is sharper than anything we could ever wield. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we are definitely progressing through the book of Luke and we're finishing up chapter 5 today. And this passage, um, I gave a simple title to today's message, Jesus Loving the Unlovable and Sharing Truth. And as I was looking through today's passage, I was kind of convicted. Because, you know, we read all the passages about he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. And so we know from those passages that our primary friends, our close friends, should be those that are of the household of faith. But we also need to be willing to love on the people that are not of the household of faith. People that are not desirable. And we need to be willing to take flack for that. I don't know how good I am at that. I really don't. And so I was convicted as I studied. So I don't stand up here or rather sit up here as one who has it all figured out but rather as a man just like you who wants to be better. Because the Lord asks us to be holy as He is holy. And the first part of this passage, if you're taking notes, is Jesus' call of Levi. And it says in Luke 5.26, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And of course, this is their reaction to the lame man walking. And they can't deny what happened, because the lame man had been lame, I think, since birth. And they knew him. So, they knew that God was at work. Most of them. And then it says, after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of the custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose, and followed him. Now, a thought just struck me as I was reading this. And that is, Jesus right now is assembling His disciples. And so He walks up to Levi, who is a tax collector, and He calls him to follow Him. And I just had this thought that perhaps, maybe some of these Pharisees, especially the younger ones, might have been thinking, well, if, if Jesus is a rabbi and he's going to call disciples, because this was common for rabbis in the day, then perhaps he might choose someone like me. Because I'm religious, I'm devoted to God, 
At least as far as I understand them. And then they sat there and watched him choose Levi, who was a tax collector and a sinner. Now, it's always kind of ironic because for us to call other people sinners is not a very good idea. Because we're all sinners. We're all equal in the eyes of God in that regard. But Levi responds to this. Now, I don't know um, what of the events of Jesus up to this point Levi knew. Of course, we know Levi is also Matthew. Matthew Levi. Levi was a surname. And Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. And so he either was very observant or he just had accounts from what other people had said. I read one fictional account that supposed that Matthew Levi was a witness at the Sermon on the Mount and that was a turning point for him. We don't know that for sure, but what we do know here is that Jesus stood before Levi, saw him, and said, follow me. And what does Levi do? He left all and rose up and followed him. And the first thing he does after meeting Jesus is makes a great feast and invites his friends to meet Jesus too. And it says, And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am come, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, there are probably several reasons why Jesus chose common men to be his disciples. But let me propose to you a couple. Number one, Jesus told, chose common men to be his disciples. Because when they did mighty things, the only thing that people could say is that these men have been with Jesus. Remember what they said about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4? They said, these men are unlearned, they're fishermen, and yet they're saying these great and mighty things and speaking with authority. Because they've been with Jesus. And the number two reason that I see, and perhaps even more important, is that these disciples that Jesus chose knew what they didn't know. You see, a prerequisite to coming to Jesus for salvation is to know what you don't know. I used to read verses like, I've come to call the righteous. 
I've come to call not the righteous but sinners to repentance. And I used to read that verse and it's repeated a couple times in the Gospels. And they used to say, well, that makes sense. If you're already righteous, you don't need a Savior. So it makes sense that He came to call the sinners. But then we realize that no one is righteous. No, not one. So what is Jesus saying here? He is saying that as long as you think that you're righteous, there's nothing I can do for you. But at the point that you are willing to admit that you are a sinner, that's when I can come in and make all the difference in the world. The disciples did not make a difference because they were learned men. They did not make a difference even because they spent hours watching Jesus. They made a difference because they opened their hearts to the message of salvation that Jesus had. And because they believed Him and took Him at His word, they received the Holy Spirit and went forth with power. And the Bible says in Acts that they turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Is that a testimony that you want to have? It's a testimony that I want to have. I don't always succeed. I'm a man. But I have been excited to see what God has done when I have submitted myself to Him. And so Jesus, Jesus didn't say, wait a minute. You're a tax collector. I can't go in your house. I can't be seen with you. No. He went. And we know this isn't the only tax collector's house he visited. Remember Zacchaeus. We sing the children's song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And so sometimes, like I was talking about with the John chapter 3 passage, sometimes familiarity... Breeds an apathy for the passage. But remember what Jesus said to Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus said, Lord, if I have stolen anything from anyone, I will repay them fourfold. And half of what's left I'll give to the poor. What did Jesus say? He said, Today salvation has come to this house. Because Zacchaeus got it. Zacchaeus realized that it wasn't just about uh, well, about authoritative words or about healing. It was about spiritual change. It was about a dead man coming alive. And this is what we see in Matthew, as he follows the Lord, and, and I was going to look this up, I didn't look it up, but tradition tells us that Matthew died a martyr's death. 
proclaiming the gospel. Even though he started out as a publican. And I think sometimes we can be guilty of thinking that people are beyond salvation. That they're not worth our time. But Jesus was constantly telling the Pharisees, these, these publicans and sinners, these prostitutes, they're going to get to heaven before you because you think you're so good and they know they're not. And so Jesus is saying to them, if you humble yourself and realize that you are a sinner, I will save you. But if you don't, there's no hope. Can we look really quickly at a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18? Somebody could look up Luke 18, 10 to 14. I would really appreciate it. Luke 18, 10 to 14. And as you're doing this, um, I want to share with you this quote. It says, Grace is God as heart surgeon, cracking open your chest, removing your heart, poisoned as it is with pride and pain, and replacing it with His own. And that's Max Lucado. He doesn't remodel your old heart. He takes it out. Puts a new heart in you. Puts new desires in you. Let's read that passage. If somebody has it. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The tax collector is standing far off, not even lifting up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to himself justified rather than the other. Everyone who exalts himself will be humble. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is just underscores what we've been talking about. The publican knew that he was a sinner. The publican knew he had no hope. So God heard it. David said it this way. He said, a broken and a contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. You know, there's a lot of similarities between David and King Saul. They did a lay, made a lot of the same mistakes. But the difference between David and King Saul is that David had a personal relationship with God. And when he transgressed God's commandments, he felt it. That's why he says in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because the joy wasn't there when he was apart from God. Moving on to the second part of this passage. You know that parable that we just read talked about fasting. 
there's there's one particular time in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, when fasting is is asked for on on the behalf or or from the the people of Israel specifically. There were other times when they fasted, but that's really the specific thing. Well, the Pharisees took that and they turned it on their heads. They turned it on its head, and they and they decreed that. Basically, from what I read, traditionally, every Tuesday and Thursday were fasting days. And it was something that the Pharisees added. It wasn't something that God decreed. It wasn't bad either. I don't think it's bad. Jesus said, when you fast. So he makes the assumption that you will. But the thing is, nobody's supposed to know if you fast. You, he, doesn't, he says, if you fast, don't let your face get disheveled. Wash your face. And appear to everyone as if you're just going about a normal day. That's what you're supposed to do when you fast. And when you pray, you're not supposed to pray long, verbose prayers so that people can hear you. But you're supposed to go into your closet and pray and cry out to God. Now does that mean public prayer is wrong? No, it doesn't. But the point that Jesus is trying to get to is motive. You see, the law talked about action and Jesus took it further and said, motive matters. God's grace is amazing and I'm grateful to be saved by it, but in some ways grace is a higher calling. Because God calls us to surrender even our thoughts to Him. This is what it says in Luke 5, 33-35. And they said unto, them, said unto Him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. And then they shall fast in those days. <clears throat> now I'm not recalling at this moment, whether there was a direct allusion to fasting in Acts chapter 1, but I do know that the people were told to stay in the upper room and stay in Jerusalem until the power of God came over them. And I would venture to guess that there might have been some fasting involved with this as they beseeched the Lord for His gift. And they waited for Him after He left to go into heaven. And now I, I want to look at a very specific time when they did fast. And that is found in Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3. Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3. This is the calling of Paul and Barnabas. And I think we can definitely learn from this. It can be difficult um, to 
determine things like church leadership. I know you guys are going through that, and our church is, is going through a transition of that as well. And I think um, this is a good principle for that. Can somebody read Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work, so to which I have called them. And having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So now the bridegroom is gone. He's gone to heaven to intercede for them. And what do they do? They fast. They were directed by the Holy Spirit to fast. It wasn't just every Tuesday and Thursday I'm going to fast because that's what looks good. It was we were directed by the Holy Spirit to fast. And after we fasted, then the Holy Spirit said to us, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I called them. I have fasted a few times in my life but always with specific goals and prayers in mind. And so, that is the one piece of advice I would give you about the act of fasting. And always, if you think that you are susceptible to any medical problems, always consult the physician. None of these things, particularly, was bad that the Pharisees did. It's good to give alms to God. It's good to fast. It's good to know the law. But when you miss the point of a relationship with God. Nothing that you do is worth anything. Martin Luther said this, he said, Good works do not make a good man, but a good man does good works. Works do not save a man. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. And that is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. But Paul doesn't end there. He says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For work that only you can do. Do you ever spend time thinking about that? That God has work for you to do? Oh, He will, he will accomplish His will whether you cooperate or not. But if you do not cooperate, you will miss His blessings. So think about that. Then finally, Jesus ends this 
passage with a parable. And he says in Luke 5.36, And he spoke also a parable unto them, saying, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will bust, will burst the bottles, and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But the wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, The old is better. Now God created and instituted the law. So the law is not bad. But what the purpose of the law was, was to be a schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ, to show us that we couldn't do it on our own. So that when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, we could rest in Him and not in our works. And these Pharisees were trying to do all the work. They were trying to do everything right. All the good deeds. But they were missing the one for whom our good deeds are to be done. And Jesus was saying to them, you need to put away your old way of thinking. You need to get rid of all your access laws. The ones that you made. The man-made traditions. He told the Pharisees at one point, you're putting, you're putting uh, burdens on the shoulders of your people that you yourself can't even bear. And then you're wondering why no one can stand up under them. Sadly, I know people today who do that. I have a very dear friend who is more of an acquaintance now because he has decided that even as a believer he needs to follow the Jewish law. And it grieves my heart. Because by doing that, he's basically relegating Christianity to all the other world religions. Because all the other world religions say, do, 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 to earn your salvation. Christianity says it is done. And the reason that we do is not because we have to earn our salvation. But because we are doing out of gratitude for the fact that it is done. If you are blood-bought, if you are saved, you will do good works. You won't be able to help it because 
the gratitude that you feel will persuade you to do it. And the fear that you have for others will persuade you. Paul said it this way. He said, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Paul knew what it was to be under the wrath of God and to be delivered out of the wrath of God. He wanted everyone to know. My question to you today is, do you know? Do you know? Maybe you've grown up in the church and you try to do the right things. You show up on Sunday. But you haven't discovered the power that you need to live the Christian life, which is found only in the Holy Spirit. And is only delivered when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit seals us from the day of redemption until our final redemption in heavenly places. So if you have not trusted Jesus Christ personally, God has no grandchildren. Doesn't matter what decisions your parents made. You have to come to a place of placing your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And you can't put new wine in old wineskins. God doesn't need you to clean up before you come to Him. But He doesn't leave you dirty either. God is the best cleaning service there ever was. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Immediately after Paul spent the three days blind and praying to the Lord and Ananias touched his eyes and he went forth what does it say that he did he obviously went into the wilderness for three years it says before he went into his major ministry but even before that it says that he went into the synagogues and proclaimed Jesus the Christ immediately Because he couldn't wait to share the good news. Do we have that attitude? My friends, I know that many of you have been coming to Holland Gospel Chapel at least as long as I've been here. You've been under the sound of the word for that time. But it would be foolish of me to just assume that you are all blood-bought saints of God. If you are, be grateful. 
If you are, maybe God is bringing you to a new level of conviction that you need to trust Him and Him alone and not try to live the Christian life in your own strength. I know, I've been there. I've tried to do it. Sometimes I, I, I say to myself, I've got this. And then Jesus has to whisper in my ear or sometimes get out the two-by-four and say to me, no, son, I have this. I think believers can struggle with that as well. But if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, none of the changes we're talking about today can be true. We go into the Kent County Jail every month. And last week there was a guy that had a question about how Jesus could be fully man and fully God at the same time. And we were trying to explain it to him. But as we were, we realized that he was more of a scoffer than a seeker. And we realized after ten minutes of his going on that we weren't going to get to our message if he kept going on. Unfortunately, he left in a huff. But see, the reason that was is because the things of God are spiritually discerned. And if the Spirit of God isn't in it, the truth will not be grasped. But the Spirit of God is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that myriads of men, including the weatherman, Craig James, who worked on Channel 8 in Grand Rapids for many years. Not sure if he's still working or not. But that man, among others, picked up this book in college said, I'm going to prove it wrong because there's errors in it. But as he read the words, he came to know the word. And today he serves the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because the word of God is powerful. So many times I'm listening to this radio drama, Unshackled, and people try to share the Word of God with the people in the stories and they don't get it. And they rail against it. But at some point in their lives they pick up a Bible on their own and they open it up and it becomes quick and powerful and it divides. the truth and it shows them the error of their ways C.S. Lewis was an atheist he was one of those people who said there is no God but God broke through not only did C.S. Lewis learn there was a God but he learned the name 
of that God. And he got to know that God personally. Josh McDowell is another one. He was very skeptical of the Bible, started reading it, came to know that Jesus was more than a carpenter. And now his whole ministry is built on defending the truth of the Word of God. If you want to know the truth, you will know the truth, and it will set you free. But you have to desire it. God's a gentleman. He doesn't barge into people's lives. He stands at the door and knocks. So if He's knocking on your heart today, my prayer is that you will open the door and let Him in. I just want to close with this quote and then I'll pray. If heaven were by merit... It would never be heaven to me. For if I were in it, I should say, I am sure I am here by mistake. I am sure this is not my place. I have no claim to it. But if it be of grace and not of works, then we may walk into heaven with boldness. Charles Spurgeon. I will walk And yes, I will walk into heaven with boldness. Because my sin is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. And it was buried as far away as the east is from the west. What about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to delve into your word. We pray that it, that it has been rightly divided. I pray that if there be anything that is of me and not of you, that it would be thrown out by the audience. That they would search the scriptures as the Bereans and see if my conclusions are sound. And that we would challenge one another to stay true to the infallible Word of God. Pray this in the name and through the blood of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.